Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. 50 years of service to the Blackstone Valley. This is 1380 WNRI Woonsockets. Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the Internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team. Joining me today in studio is David Ackman. And before we start today, I'd like to thank Michael Jones of Soccer New England for helping get us back on the air. Um, we've obviously been off the air for the past couple of months, but back there, we're hoping to continue this show for the rest of the season. Uh, right here on WNRI, 1380 AM. Um, obviously, last night, first really bad performance by the Revs. Uh, even the first game of the season, they were a little unlucky to come away with a loss. Uh, last night, I guess you could say they deserved it. Yeah, I think that game, I mean, even though they were minutes away from getting a point out of it, I mean, at no point did they really seem in control even when they got up two goals. It was a, a sloppy performance even in front of the home crowd. And with Steve Rawson and Taylor Twelman giving them the early lead, it's a two-goal lead for the Revs at home. I think everyone in the stadium thought it was a night game over there. You know, Kansas City... Uh, obviously, with the speed of Eddie Johnson, have looked dangerous. But uh, Eddie Johnson's been a player who's been very out of form this season. Uh, well, he has three goals, but as we've seen in the past few years, he still has had so many chances that he's blown. Uh, last night, clearly that was not the case. Three goals, hat trick. Uh, this guy looks ready to light it up at the Gold Cup. Yeah, I think it's a perfect time for this call-up for him. I mean, he's really in form. He hadn't really had a great season this year. Even last year, he was a little off form despite the World Cup call-up. I, I think uh, it's really like he's starting to resume his form from a couple years ago. And it was well, Davey Arnault, speedy guy. Uh, the Revs really just couldn't handle these guys' speed last night. Uh, I talked about it in my preview for the match on Sark New England. Kansas City is a really speedy, uh, speedy team. And the Revs don't have the speed to match them at the back, it seemed. Jay Heaps is a, not a slow guy himself. James Riley, uh, it's not that slow of a defense, but uh, they had to be able to play better against guys like Eddie Johnson. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of times that they just got in, even on balls where they both started for the ball at the same time. It just seemed like the forwards for Kansas City always beat them to those 50-50 balls. And on the breakaways, they always had the extra step. I mean, Reese saved him on one of those breakaways, but, I mean, he's, you're not going to expect him to save all, all of those one-on-ones. It was also a little surprising because we saw two weeks ago against uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy coming away with a 3-2 away win. Landon Donovan is a guy with a ton of speed. Uh, Parkhurst played an excellent game that match. The entire Revs defense played a, a much different match, and they were even on the road. So Kansas City, which is a team that has actually been struggling lately, uh, losing several players' injury. Uh, first off, Nick Garcia, um, key defensive player there, quite physical. Obviously, as a Revs fan, uh, they don't like him. You've seen what he does to Taylor Twalman. Yep. Uh, very physical guy. That's that's a big boost for the Revs right there. But Jimmy Conrad, U.S. international defender, also out of the match. Jose Bruciaga Jr., uh, not known as much for his defense as for his great offensive heroics. Another player out. So they're starting three players in the defense that you know normally would not be starting. This is a team that the Revs should be tearing up, and they did offensively, but 
they should have been able to keep better possession against a team uh, that was so thrown together, missing those three starters. Yeah, I mean, you looked at it, and they had all the room in the world on offense. I mean, they had tons of chances in the box. I mean, they had wingers like Kano having room on the wings. They just, I mean, and they converted. I mean, you get three goals at home, you expect to win that kind of a game. The problem really was their defenders and their defensive midfielders really having a problem controlling the ball. I mean, they had a couple key giveaways that led to some Kansas City goals. And, I mean, if you do that against any team struggling, injured, or anything in the MLS, they got forwards that will score those kind of goals. And Steve Nichol, coach of the Revs, obviously unhappy with the result. Uh, I do have his comments from last night's match. He, he was talked about uh, scoring three goals at home. You got to win, but he did give credit to Kansas City, and they did deserve it because they certainly deserved that win with the goals they made. Uh, in past games, a couple of the Revs goals that they've allowed, you know, Nichols talked about being off deflections or penalties. Certainly, last night they earned all four of those goals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they they worked for every goal. Johnson really was masterful on a couple of those. I mean, rounded the keeper twice. I mean, had a chance to beat Reese at least that other time too. But Reese made a great play. I mean, even our nose goal was taken beautifully off the chest and settled. So I mean, you can't discredit what they did. And we can play Steve Nichols' comments for you now on last night's match. We started losing the ball in the middle of the park, in the middle of the field. You know, they got they got dangerous guys. Don't mean that they're a team that breaks well. You know, Eddie Johnson obviously was a, was a huge difference tonight. We basically the, the guys at the back didn't couldn't handle him. But we we contribute, uh, contributed to that by you know bad decisions. Really, the the root of losing the ball in the first place. After that, you know, you have to you have to uh, you have to say that they, as I said, they broke well, and you have to say that. You know they deserve credit for the for the goals. You know you can't you play away from home and score four goals, particularly here. Uh, you deserve a lot of credit. And the final third, they were uh, they were on fire tonight. Steve, scoring three goals at home should be or in any field should be enough to win the game. Uh, the middle of the field uh, just collapsed. Don't you think so? Oh, I don't think it collapsed. I think we made bad decisions. Um, which led to us losing the ball, which then gave them the, the chance to break on us and, and do what they did. Uh, more than anything, you know, the second half, I think we completely and utterly dominated the second half. Got equaliser. You know, maybe we, should, we could maybe we could say we deserve something from the game. I mean, the effort was huge. I have no problems with the effort. Um, just bad decisions. Strange game. You always you always catch it in the in the you know what's when you don't think it's coming. That's why you have to be on your guard the whole time and concentrate the whole time but we've had a great run and the players have been fantastic we've had a bad night and we'll move on and that was head coach steve nickel of the revolution uh, with his comments on last night as you could hear obviously disappointed with the result but uh, didn't think the effort was lacking to some poor decisions there uh, i would agree with him there the team certainly certainly wanted to win that game they certainly put everything forth uh, i don't think they held back just a little something missing there. Yeah, I mean, you look at Heaps on that free kick, diving, giving up his whole body to block it. I mean, you had Riley on that last goal, turning back, trying to keep that ball from getting across the end line. I mean, the effort was definitely there. You had Wells coming in, were making those crazy runs down the wing. I mean, so the effort wasn't lacking. It just wasn't their night. And, and talked about Heaps making that goal line, I mean, not the goal line save, but the free kick save right at the top of the box, diving out there. Uh, he, he also had a chance to you know, score the goal after... Uh, the Wizards had taken the 4-3 lead late at the end there off a Ralston free kick that banged off the uh, post, and he sent it over the net with an open net. Uh, obviously, he went full out for that one, too. Certainly, the effort was there, just a little unlucky. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you get in that kind of a position, and you'd like to see that go in, but you can't blame the players. I mean, they didn't give up. I mean, that last couple minutes scramble, Ralston's great free kick, got a little unlucky, have it thing off the post, you get a rebound attempt. I mean, you can't really argue with that kind of an effort. And something we haven't mentioned yet has been the the change from the pitch there. Uh, the first two matches on the artificial surface, uh, the Revs played extremely well. Kano Smith had two excellent games. Uh, they put out the, the real turf now on top of the pitch, on top of the artificials turf, because of the Gold Cup coming up. Uh, what did you think of the turf? Uh, we heard Ireland's coach, uh, I, w- I was there to listen to Ireland's coach, actually assistant coach, Kevin McDonald after the match. He, he was not happy with the playing surface. He said it was very dry and uh, did not did not help them with their style of play. Uh, I think the same thing could hold true for the Revs. No, definitely. I mean, I was sitting pretty pretty close to the field, and you could see even, like, dust kicking up. And, I mean, the, the field was definitely very brown, and there wasn't really much bounce to the ball. It was really a, a tough surface to play on, it looked like. And Kano Smith is a player that, as I mentioned, has been played well at home, but he's been pretty inconsistent. We've seen some road performances where, you know, he's been trying to beat the man, he hasn't been able to do it, or he, he kind of plays too slowly for a fast guy. He waits too long to make a decision as the opportunity passes him up. Uh... What did you think of his performance last night? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his, one of his best games. I mean, he tried to get to the corner flags, I mean, and get the crosses in. They weren't all that great. I mean, he had that one free kick that he completely mishit. So, I mean, it wasn't one of his better games. But, I mean, when he's on his game, it's it's great. When he's off, it's not so great. Uh, and with the Gold Cup coming up, as I mentioned, uh, the Rebels will be losing three players after next weekend's game against Real Salt Lake. They'll be losing Steve Ralston, uh, who's been having an excellent season so far. He's one assist shy of breaking the... Uh, the record there for all-time goal, for all-time assists in the league, uh, actually scored his second goal of the season last night. The first goal, excellent effort by him there. Uh, first shot was saved, went back at the rebound and put it in. Uh, he'll be a key player to lose. He'll be losing Taylor Twelman, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the league's leading scorer with seven goals. He also scored a great goal last night, took a deflection, but excellent effort there for him to get open and beat the two men uh, and cut inside and get that shot off in the first place. Uh, and they'll be missing Michael Parkhurst. Uh, who's been a rock and steady in the Revs' defense last night. Maybe you could fault him a little bit for some of those goals. But other than that, he's had an excellent season and certainly no more fault than any of the other Revs' defenders last night. Uh, the Revs are going to have a lot of holes to fill. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, if they end up losing Avery John to Trinidad and Tobago, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. But, I mean, then that'll really make them have to make some big changes in their defense. Uh, I think with Ralston, you sort of shown got shown last night with uh, Wells Thompson in reserve that he might be able to fill in a little. You saw Chrisman come in in the first couple of games, so he might be able to spell, smell Twillman, but I mean, it really lack, makes their depth uh, really hurt. I mean, you bring those guys in late in the game, and yeah, you have a game-changing performance. Now you're going to have to go to your second line of reserves, and that really could make the later parts of the games a little tougher. Well, certainly, as you said, Wells Thompson showed well last night. Uh, Chrisman showed well off the bench, and he's been showing well as a starter. Uh, but now these guys are going to have to step up more. We saw James Rye at the start of the season. He did an excellent job stepping up, filling in Michael Parker's place uh, in the middle of the lineup when he was out with the shoulder injury with Avery John starting. And it actually sounds like Avery John uh, might not be going up to the Trinidad and Tobago national team because I believe there's a dispute between the players playing in the World Cup over contract negotiations, which could work out well for the Revs, unfortunate for Avery John, right. but certainly very helpful there. But the question is, now you got a guy like Wells Thompson fulfilling the role of of Steve Ralston, who's been the main setup man so far, uh, he's going to need to step up his game, and so is Kano Smith on the left. 
uh, if the Reds are continue to be successful. Definitely. Even, even a guy like Dorman, who's been off and on this season, really has to take control of that midfield. Because, I mean, Wells, you know, he might show great in flashes, but he's a rookie. He's going to have his patches of inconsistency. So it's going to be something where they're going to have to all step up as a team collectively. It can't just be one guy trying to replace all of Twelman's effort or one guy stepping in and, you know, taking the place of Ralston. It's going to have to be a team effort to replace all those key players. And going back to the field a little bit and talking about Kano Smith, he's been a guy that has performed extremely well on artificial surface. The reason for that, who knows? He's done well uh, in Real Salt Lake on their artificial surface, scoring amazing goals. And as I mentioned, the first the, who home, the two home games, the first two home games of the season on the artificial surface, have been his best performances for the Revs this year. Uh, Kano Smith was not happy with the playing surface. He did not. Uh, he thought it actually helped Kansas City and kind of hurt the Rev style of play and we have Connor Smith's comments and we can play those now didn't play well I think the, the field factored in because it made the ball sit up for them to play balls in behind us and, and didn't really suit us because it was it was very slow so we need to move the ball fast and I don't think we, we were able to do it on the field today but you think they take it they can take advantage from the fact of uh, the three five two they play a lot on taking the initiative sometimes and cutting the balls in the right moment especially in your position as a, uh, on, the, on the on the sides uh, you, you look different than other games when you take it easy how you Feel that. I mean, well, it's a give or take, you know. Either it can, that formation is just it's difficult to play, but I didn't help us because we got more bodies in the middle, so we should be winning the battle in the middle of the field and then get it wide. But um, I wouldn't say it helped them. I think the, the field definitely played to their advantage today, but that, that's no excuse. We still should have should have beat them. We scored three goals at home. So yeah, what's up with the Mohawk? <laughs> no, just something that something I try. It's just wanted to try something new. Had the same haircut for a long time. Try something new. You're gonna be losing three players to the Gold Cup. Do you think uh, you have the guys step up and take those positions? Yeah, we definitely have the guys to step up. I mean, we got a we got a deep team. So I mean, you know, we wish them all the best. We'll we'll, we'll cope with them and just look forward to getting them back. Again, that was Bermudian Kano Smith and. Uh, his thoughts on the playing surface and also on losing the players to the Gold Cup. Um, obviously, last night was not his best performance, but uh, he has been a player that has shown some great spark in the Revs' offense. Uh, last year, mostly as a player off the bench coming on to score some late goals or bringing the assists. Uh, so the more will be asked out of him... I- uh, when these players are gone. Yeah, definitely. And I think he really has the uh, the pace to really make some some effort on that left wing. And uh, if he can get in there, get some balls into Christman and eventually Noonan too, I mean, I think that's going to be what he's going to have to do. And he's shown the willingness to kick and run. So if he can keep that up, he should be all right. And the Revs' form against Kansas City, uh, the loss couldn't have been completely unexpected. If you've seen the Revs' performances over the past 16 or so games under Steve Nichol, Steve Nichol as coach, I believe they played what is it, 16 or 17 games against Kansas City, they've only won two. And this is a Revs team that has actually been the best record, uh, I believe, since 2003, the team with the best record overall in the league. Uh, Surprising that they have such a poor record against Kansas City, who really have not been that great of a team and never that much of a threat, you know, as far as playoff spots. Yeah, and I mean, they've had a lot of turnover, too, over those years. So, I mean, I'm not sure if it's just a a team-wide philosophy where they can all sort of handle it or if a lot of that was Nick Garcia. I'm not exactly sure what the problem is, but you can see that they always sort of struggle against them. Certainly, that would be something that we're looking to change. And I talked to James Riley last night. He actually was not that familiar with the Rez record, but uh, he did shed some thoughts on why the team has done so poorly against Kansas City. What is it with the uh, Kansas City Club that you can't get over the hump and beat them? Here? Yeah, um, I'm not sure, actually. I didn't know that uh, the history of the uh, the rivalry. I didn't know it was we were uh, not able to beat them. So um, 
I mean, it's just the fact that they get up for us every game. They play. Um, unfortunately, we gave a 2-0 lead and can't do that at this level. They uh, finished their chance as well. And uh, we'll go back to the drawing board, take it on the chin, and it's pretty much all you can do, really. Good thing it's early in the season. We're working our shape, working our, our uh, movement as a team cohesively, and take it from there. You know, we score three goals at home, we should be able to go away with the win, so definitely it's unfortunate. So. Do you expect to be moving back to the middle when Parker scored away with the goal? Um, you know, I'm ready for anything. Um, obviously, if I have to, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, it's not not really thinking about that now, but we'll see what happens. And that was Revolution defender James Riley and uh, his thoughts on the Reds' poor losing streak against Kansas City, uh, as well as the possibility of moving back to the middle. But she did play earlier in the season. Uh, speaking again about the Gold Cup, uh, we mentioned Adam Chrisman earlier. Uh, Twelman has had seven goals for this team, a huge chunk of the Revs' goals, 18 goals. Seven of them have been Twelman. Obviously, Twelman's a hard guy to replace. Chrisman has had a goal for the Revs, but he's played a great. He's done a great job up top. Hasn't had that many goals, and that's going to be something he's going to have to step up and be called upon more with Twelman out. Yeah, it seems like he's been more of a distributor. He's got three assists. Uh, he does a lot of the things Twelman does well, though. He holds the ball up well. He's good in the air. So I think he should be someone that could actually replace some of the things Twelman does. And he'll actually be joining us after a break here in a couple seconds. Uh, but speaking of Chrisman, uh, he'll be up top with Pat Noonan, who's come back from injury. Uh, last night, what did you think of Noonan's performance? I thought he was a bit slow, but he did show some signs. Uh, we saw this patented cutback there in the game, something that we hadn't really seen this season. He did show some signs of coming back and. Uh, do you think he'll be ready for to step up when Twelman's out? I don't know if he'll be ready to give you know a full 90 minutes yet, uh, but it seems like he's gotten a lot of his little shifty moves back, and I think he'll be all right, especially as a setup man for a while. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Adam Chrisman uh, and his thoughts on some of the things we already discussed. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Again, I'm joined in studio today by David Ackman. And uh, now over the phone, we have Revolution rookie forward Adam Christman. Adam, can you hear me? I can. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, thank you. Uh, obviously a disappointing loss last night. What do you think went wrong? Well, you know, it's it's hard uh, when when you score three goals at home. You definitely should uh, should be in a position to win or at least tie a game. Um, and I think uh, to Kansas City's credit, they they did a good job of uh, of attacking us and, and pulling some of our defenders out of out of position, which uh, left a few holes here and there. Um, and 
you know, we just weren't able to uh, to fill them sometimes, and they they were getting dangerous. Uh, Eddie Johnson had a great game, um, and you know he's a he's a great player, and definitely uh, showed showed he was hot last night. And we were talking about the playing surface earlier in the show. Uh, obviously, they put on the real turf over the artificial turf that was uh, been there for the first two home games. Uh, Ireland's coach earlier in the match had talked about uh, the playing surface not being conducive to their style of play. Uh, would you agree that the same effect was on the Revs' uh, style of play? And what did you think of the surface overall? Well, the, uh, I, you know, in terms of our style of play, I think you know guys like Connor Smith and and uh, you know, certainly myself and trying to get balls over the top. It's a lot better to have a faster surface. And uh, I think the, the the real grass that they put down the turf is is pretty slow. It's thick and uh, and it's pretty heavy. Uh, so I think in in some ways it kind of worked against us. Um, it wasn't really as uh, as conducive for our game. Um, the turf in general. I mean, I I prefer to play, and I think most guys would would definitely prefer to play on real grass any chance they, that they can get. Um, it's it's uh, definitely a little different though when you're used to playing on on a surface where the ball's bouncing a little bit more and, and it's a little bit quicker. Um, when you you switch to something that's completely the opposite, the ball doesn't hardly hardly bounces at all because um, it's really it's really thick and um, top of that it's just slow. You you really have to hit the ball in order to to make your passes. Now, were you able to practice on the surface at all before uh, the game? I heard from somebody, I believe that. Uh, the team actually didn't get the chance to practice on the surface. Yeah, we we didn't get a chance to uh, to actually play on it. Um, we we you know some of the guys went out and walked on it and and tried tried their cleats out. Um, but you know I guess most of the guys you know we train on grass throughout the week, so I think they hope that you know it's a similar surface and uh, we can get by. But unfortunately, the the surface wasn't time and i'm sure they didn't want us uh, on their trampling it down um, before all the gold cup games and do you think the team will be able to adjust to the surface obviously i believe there's two more games that will be played on the uh than this new turf yeah i think i think we'll adjust better also i think the the turf will probably firm up a little bit like that's what the, some of the grounds people we talked to had said that uh you know with some more water and a couple hot days that it would, it would tighten up a little bit which which uh you know we're hoping for uh but nonetheless, surface or not, um, you know, we, we have to come out and, and, and play our game and be able to perform uh, as normal. And speaking of the turf being put down for the Gold Cup, uh, what the news of the Gold Cup is the news that Taylor Trauman's going to be gone, Steve Rawlson's going to be gone, and Michael Parker's is going to be gone for the duration of the uh, US's, U.S. stay in the Gold Cup. Uh, with Trauman out, obviously he's a big scorer for this team. What does that mean in terms of, of you and what, what your role as the team? Does that change uh, any with Trauman out of the lineup? Well, I guess uh, my role will hopefully be uh, starting up top with with Noonan, and um, you know it's a it's a great opportunity for for both Noonan and I to, to really get get going and catch fire for the season. Um, and with with Taylor gone, we, we definitely have a, a big responsibility to be able to score some goals and be productive uh, in order to you know be to get to get get what we need in order to win uh, the next couple games at home. Um, so it's definitely, you know, I've gotten a few opportunities to start so far this year, and uh, I, I see this one as just another another opportunity that I'm thankful for that I'm going to do everything I can and, and, and work hard to, uh, you know, not only defend well, but, but getting good at attacking chances and, and really focus to, to get a couple goals. 
Speaking of getting some goals, you got your uh, first goal earlier this season. Uh, what was going through your mind after you got that, and did that give you a bunch of confidence for this upcoming run? Yeah, definitely, definitely gave me a bunch of confidence. I was, I was really excited. Um, you know, scoring the first MLS goal, you feel like, uh, yeah, I finally did. You know, feel like I belong um, in the league and that I can can still be productive at this level. Um, and it, at the time, it felt like a little bit of relief. Um, I had had a couple of chances, not only in that in the LA game, but in a couple of games previous where. Um, I, I probably could have put him away or had had a, a little bit more fortune with him. Um, so it was a, a, a little bit of a relief to, to finally get one in the back of the net and uh, and move on from there. So now, I guess we'll play with a game or two after that. So I'm uh, wanting to, uh, to really get back out on the field and, and try and build off of that with the confidence I gained from it and and just keep, keep it going. You've come into a team with obviously two... Uh, proven strikers in MLS and Pat Noonan and Taylor Twaman. Taylor Twaman, one of the top all-time, top, the, actually the top scorer in his time and overall in his time in MLS. Uh, what have you learned from these two guys? Well, Taylor, you know, he's, you see him day in and day out. Just his uh, his technique with the finishing and and everything that he does to position himself and get in front of the goal, and then uh, you know have the the patience um, to to finish it off is great. And Pat's the same way. He's been. You know, he's been out of practice here and there with uh, with his injuries, but um, you know, once I've seen him in there, just his composure and, uh, and his skill on the ball is, you know, both of those guys are, are great people to uh, to get to look up to and and to learn something from. And you were taken with the fourth round pick for the Revs. Uh, did you ever expect to see as much time as you've seen so far going into the season? Um, I I didn't really know what to expect. The only thing, you know, coming in, I I knew that. The, the team had a few forwards, but I would fit in as uh, hopefully into the, the top few um, for the forwards, and I was hoping I would get get some minutes. Um, and the way it's worked out, you know, I've gotten a fair share of minutes, um, and and I've just been trying to, to push it as hard as I can. And whether I'm starting or not, you know, I, I view my job as something where I need to uh, come to work every day and focus and play hard and trying to push push Pat and Taylor to, to be even better. So that's you know, that's that's where I stand on the team and you know, I wasn't really expecting to start as much as I had. So, you know, coming in thinking as a being a reserve player and then uh, getting the chances to start, you know, it's, it's just how it's worked out. Uh, the uh, the biggest thing we noticed was uh, all your goals scored in the preseason. Uh, did that really allow you to uh, move up the depth chart, do you think, or were you always sort of slotted in as the third striker? Um, I think, you know, having a good preseason was great, and uh, getting called into the the U23 national team was uh, was really a big confidence booster. Um, and, and just having those opportunities in preseason was, you know, I, they just fell into my lap, and I was able to do the do the best I could with them, um, and it certainly helped helped the decision, position. I'm sure I, I don't think it hurt scoring a few goals in preseason, um, but I think it, it definitely helped, you know, the coaches as well to uh, to understand that, uh, you know, they they can look at me as someone that they could start and, and feel confident about it. And can you talk about the preseason a little bit? The choice of uh, location and how easy it was to just integrate with uh, this established team. And uh, the locations of our preseason, yeah, were, um, just the preseason in general, and how that went, and how uh, 
do you think it was a good choice of location for the Revs and uh, how it was to integrate with this team that was already been established and kind of uh, the same poor guys of players have been together for several years now? Yeah, well, you know, the trips were Bermuda, Cancun, and uh, New Orleans. Um, I missed the Bermuda trip with uh, with the call to the U23 national team. But the the Cancun trip and uh, and the New Orleans trip, I mean, that, it was awesome. Not only we get a good chance to play and train in, in nice weather when, uh, you know, it's pretty cold and snow on the ground back here, um, so it, it, that's a great opportunity to get yourself some fitness and everything in, in the hot sun. Um, but the, those locations really provide a lot of opportunity for the team to be together and to really get to, you know, especially for uh, the rookies to get to know some of the guys. But I think also for the, the veteran players to really get to hang out and be together and, um, you know, really really spend some quality time as a team to, to bond. I think that really helps. You know, guys are much more relaxed and comfortable with each other now in the season. I think that uh, that's a big part of it. And even doing things like in, in New Orleans when we, we went as a team and, and uh, worked in a couple of the houses in the St. Bernard's Parish, those kind of things, uh, just good team-building activities that um, you know I think is really important when you get to a professional level to keep guys together. And you grew up and went to college in Virginia. Uh, were you a fan of MLS as a kid? As, yeah, growing up, uh, obviously the the local team for me was DC United. Um, so that's always always uh, when people say, "Oh yeah, you're a DC United fan," the big rival to the Reds. Um, but uh, you know, just to be able to support the MLS at the time was a, a good thing. And actually, that that whole DC United team were uh, a, a fair amount of them were UVA guys. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, at the time when I was younger, I, want, I still wanted to go to UVA and um, and look into those guys and seeing where they were. Uh, it was always a, a big positive. So. Uh, speaking of UVA, how did uh, going to UVA and uh, getting to play four years in the ACC really help your development? So I think the the ACC, you know, is one of the best conferences in the in the, uh, in the college leagues, and really. You know, every every weekend when you're playing another ACC opponent is it's it's a, a high intensity match and it's great. And on top of that, you go to a good school like Virginia or any other ACC schools or some of the other top soccer schools across the country. You're getting to play with a, a number of great players and you have good coaches and uh, and the you know you're training every day in group facilities uh, and it's just good breeding grounds I think for a pro with, with our the way that our soccer system set up. It's just, you know, that's, the, I think, one of the better ways to, to go about it. Um, and you really learn a sense of competition and, you know, having to, to work hard um, in order to win. Um, and, you know, at UVA, you know, some of the facilities are as good, if not better, than some of the facilities that we have uh, with the Reds. Um, and that's just the nature of the league development and, you know, having lots of money at a, at a top school. Um, but, it was just definitely a, a, a career move that I think uh, I'm very happy for. I was able to get a degree at the same time and um, you know move on from there. And, and I'm thankful to have an opportunity to play professionally for a few years. Was soccer the only sport you played growing up? And what made you choose to continue that sport for uh, so long and take it into professional level? Um, yeah, soccer. Soccer was my only sport. Uh, you know, I played some other games. You know, with uh, with friends around the house, you know, basketball, um, tennis, and, and uh, other sports. I swam uh, for one year in the swimming league when I had a, 
an ankle injury, so it was, it was good rehab. Um, so I never really did much else, but I, you know, I loved the game. I, ha- I had great coaches growing up that uh, really made it fun and competitive and uh, enjoyed traveling around and everything that involved youth soccer. Um, and my parents were real supportive in, in keeping me in it and you know, financially being able to, to you know, put out the money that it, it, it takes to do a lot of the regional ODP events and all the club soccer events. Um, and also the time, you know, it's a lot of weekends and, and vacation time that you have to take away to, to devote to it. But in the end, it's, a, it's paid off. It's a great, great experience. So. And with the three upcoming games against uh, first Real Salt Lake and then Columbus and Toronto, uh, these are three teams that, you know, maybe you could look at and say, oh, those are going to be easy games. But uh, these are the three teams that are kind of need these points. The Revs have gotten a great start to the season and built up some uh, solid positioning and great points. Uh, but these are teams that are at the bottom of the table and are all looking to, you know, move their way up and get these points. Uh, what does the team need to do to be successful in these upcoming games? Well, especially after after the loss um, last night, you know, it's important that we not we not you know hit the panic button. We've got a solid team. Uh, with, with the guys are all on the same page. Uh, we just need to come back out and and pass the ball like we know how and, and come and get our chances. Um, you know, regarding the tables and everything, I, I've always been a big proponent that uh, you know the standings really don't matter. Every game is just as important as the next. Uh, so. Even with these teams, you know, Toronto Toronto has a bunch of personnel changes and they've gotten a couple wins under their belt. It's going to be a completely different team um, since the last time we've seen them. In regards to, uh, you know, Real Salt Lake hasn't, I don't know if they've even gotten a win yet, but, you know, you're going to still have an opponent who's, who's hungry and, and has a, a huge amount of desire with nothing to lose, you know, playing against you. So it's, uh, it's really important that, you know, we, we put this last game behind us. We can't win them all. Um, and we just come out and, and play how we, we can for the next couple and, and enjoy being able to be home. And you mentioned Toronto playing uh, completely differently since yeah, you played them. They've made it several key changes to the lineup as well. Do you think that's a team that could be challenging for a playoff spot come the end of the season? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think you know a team like that's new. They're still working out the kinks. Um, they've got a good coach behind them. And I think... Uh, you know, certainly any team can can vie for for a playoff spot. I think in in our in our division, um, it's just a matter of getting the right wins uh, at the right time. For them, you know, starting to catch fire and uh, and build up the, their point total. You know, that they're going to be looking uh, to really put some pressure on on the teams that they've they've previously lost to, but now they're in, in a better better shape and. Uh, Wise and personnel-wise, that they, they might be able to be a little more competitive. And uh, before we let you go here, uh, what has been the best experience of your soccer career so far? Best experience of my soccer career? Ooh, there's been so many. It's been a been a great ride. Um, you know, being able to be a part of the of a UVA team um, that that went to the final four and has won two ACC championships. Another great great experience playing for national teams and, and getting to travel um, you know, all over the world and play soccer has been really neat and uh, you know, finally actually getting to, to spend um, every day playing soccer as, uh, as my main job you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a dream so you know, I, the, whole, the whole ride is, uh, is great and 
you know, someday I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up and uh, be like, man, that was that was a lot of fun. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good one. And good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. And that was uh, again Revolution rookie forward Adam Chrisman. Uh, we're gonna go to a quick break here, and then we'll be back with some more Revolution recap. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Again, we're joined in studio by David Ackman. Uh, we're talking about the Revs game last night with uh, Adam Chrisman or, uh, before the break. Uh, obviously, disappointing loss, but we talked about the upcoming games uh, against, first of all, Real Salt Lake. What do you think the Revs can expect out of Real Salt Lake coming up? I think it's going to be an interesting roster. I mean, they've, they've changed a lot. They've got... Uh they got rid of Jeff Cunningham, so I mean it's a lot of change going on over there. Uh, they had another draw, I think today zero zero. Uh, so I mean they're they're not playing well enough to win any games, but I mean you never know. I mean you look at Kansas City, you think you know the way we've been playing, you'd win that one. So I mean you just got to take a look at every game. You're going to be missing a bunch of guys, so it's going to be a tough battle. Well, when you talk about Salt Lake. Uh, they traded away Jeff Cunningham to Toronto FC uh, for Aleko Escudarian uh, in a first-round draft pick. Uh, obviously, Cunningham is the, the biggest threat to score. Uh, Escudarian's a good forward, but he doesn't bring the same thing Cunningham does. Uh, with this first-round draft pick involved, do you think they're building for the future and almost um, maybe even already writing off this season, having not won a game yet? It sounds like it. And then, uh, I also read a quote where the... Uh the director or maybe one of the general managers said that he was looking forward to using that cap space that they had gotten for maybe going after a guy like Shalry Joseph. So it sounds like they're really taking a look for next year and maybe starting to load up a lot for next year, but I don't know why Jeff Cunningham wouldn't be a part of that. Well, that's an interesting thing you brought up there about Shalry Joseph. Certainly he's a player that uh, is talked about earlier in the season asking for a trade because he's not happy with his contract situation. Uh, but with Shari Joseph, do you think Salt Lake is the destination team you'd like to go to? Uh, right now, they don't look like a team that's going to win any uh, trophies anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they think that they would get him. I guess maybe they just hope that they can offer him a boatload of money and he'd be interested in going. But, I mean, I think there would be opportunities elsewhere in the world if, he, if all he wanted was money or an increase in pay that he would be able to get once he was out of contract. So I don't know if they're going to end up being able to get a player like him. They might be able to get someone else from a foreign country, but I don't know if Shari will be the guy that they get. But speaking of Salt Lake, uh, talked about their struggling to get a win. Uh, last year wasn't a good year for them by any stretch. Uh, however, they did come away with a 3-1 to one victory over the Revs at home last year. So clearly they're a team that the Revs have to watch out for and not fall into the same trap they did uh, previous season. Yeah, I mean, any game can be different than another game. I mean, 
you know, and all it takes is one bad deflection, one bad penalty call. I mean, you can never really just write a team off before the game starts. So, I mean, you got to come in, play the game, your style of play that you want to play, and just hope for the best result. And after that match, they have the Columbus Crew and Toronto FC, uh, the two teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, but both teams have looked... Uh, have shown signs of some life here. Uh, Andy Hirone getting two goals. They actually played each other last weekend uh, to a 2-2 draw. Andy Hirone, who was suspended since uh, his elbow to Jay Heaps against the Revs, has come back for his first game and got two goals. Certainly that's a promising sign for them uh, because their offense certainly has been a weak spot for them in the past. Yeah, I mean, they always sort of have that sort of struggling going on over there. But, I mean, they always play the Revs, you know, difficult. I mean, those Eastern Conference battles are always difficult. And, I mean, even a team like Toronto all of a sudden can't stop scoring. So, I mean, it's not going to be an easy run to the to the next couple of weeks. You just got to hope that you can uh, play as well as you can, missing a couple of key players. Yeah, and talked about... Uh, going in with, without these key players, it seems like, okay, this maybe is an easier schedule. But none of these teams are teams that have you know, rolled over and died in any games this year. Toronto against the Revs, but since then they've added some new players, and they seem to be a team that, you know, as Chrisman said, could very well be challenging for a playoff spot uh, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, anytime you just assemble a new team from scratch, it's going to take you a couple weeks. I don't care how many preseason friendlies you play. I mean, once you start getting into the uh, meat of the schedule, that's when you're going to start learning how your team goes, and you can make some adjustments, and it's, that seems what they've been doing. And we talked about the Gold Cup and losing these players uh, for the upcoming Gold Cup. Uh, what did you think of the roster? There was some obviously Bradley brought in a lot of young players. Uh, Parker's got his first call up. He'd actually been called up by Ireland for the friendly uh, part, as part of the doubleheader last night. Supposedly Steve Nichol had informed uh, head coach Steve Staunton of Ireland that Parker's would be unavailable due to his shoulder injury, even though he has been playing for the Revs for a while. Uh, but the question is, is that their reason or is it because Parker wants to play for the U.S.? And I think getting, seeing him called up for the Gold Cup and accepting that call up uh, certainly shows that his intention is to play for the U.S. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it shows. And I think it was probably a good idea by Bradley to uh, make sure that it was evident that he was going to be part of the U.S. plan so that, you know, in the future that he wouldn't be making the move over to Ireland. I mean, they both got up-and-coming teams, so you want to make sure that you get a player of Michael's uh, pedigree on your team. And looking at the roster, goalkeepers, Tim Howard from Everton FC. Uh, Bradley talked about it being the number one. No surprise there. Uh, a younger keeper compared to Casey Keller. Uh, Casey Keller also got the call up. Um, he said he wants to be around for the next cycle and be ready to play in the next World Cup. Um, maybe a bit unrealistic. It's going to be tough, but I mean, if he, I mean, goalkeepers are tricky. I mean, they can play till they're a little bit older than most other field players. So, I mean, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he'll be available in 2010. But I mean, at least, you know, with Tim Howard there, that you've got a young up-and-coming keeper that's been showing his medal over in, uh, over in England for the past couple of years. And Brad Guzon, the third goalkeeper, called up. Uh, some speculation that it could have been Matt Reese called up. Reese has been having a great season uh, last night, letting three, four goals, but I really didn't have a chance on any of them. Uh, however, Guzon, uh, it sounds like Bradley's planning to actually leave him to play with Chivas and actually not take him with the team, uh, only be there for call-up uh, should injuries happen to either Tim Howard or Casey Keller. Uh, looking at the defense, uh, not too many surprises with uh, Carlos Bocanegra getting called up, Jonathan Bornstein, Jay Demerit, Frankie Hayduke. Aguchi Anye, Will Michael Parkhurst, Frank Simic, and Jonathan Spector. All those players, except for Hayduk, 
uh, are players that will likely be around right into the next World Cup. And Hayduk has been a player who's been having an excellent season for the Columbus crew, really a standout. Um, completely, you know, we talked about Columbus not having that great of a season. Uh, Hayduk has been having an excellent season. So uh, some good veteran leadership there from him, uh, as well as Carlos Bocanegra and Aguchi Anyewu, and really a good squad there. And a great chance for a guy like Frank Simic, who's been having an excellent job at right back uh, for Sheffield Wednesday. And should be some great opportunities for some of the younger players to see time. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Hayduk brings a wealth of, you know, international experience. He's played well even in the MLS for a long time. So, I mean, having him in there, even if he doesn't play all the games or even if he plays a couple of the games, we'll just, just having him in the practices will be a great, great, uh, benefit to all the other younger players. And, I mean, you bring in some of these younger guys from Europe and let them get a couple of caps under their belts and you'll see what happens. And we talked about Parkhurst getting the call up. And he's having to compete with Carlos Bocanegra, Jay Demerit, and uh, Gucci Onyewu for a starting spot. Center back, maybe even Jonathan Spector. Uh, do you see him get seeing you know much of any time in this Gold Cup? I mean, I don't know if he'll get too many uh, minutes. Maybe if they get a big lead in one of the games, he'll get some later time. But I think just you know getting him up into the camp, letting him get acclimated to how the national team camps are run, and just you know let him meet some of the other players that he might not have had a chance to meet would be uh, a benefit for a guy like him. And now we have Frank DeLapper from the Boston Globe joining us over the phone. We'll return to uh, the roster a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, I'd like to to Frank. Frank, can you hear me? Yeah, good, Sean. How are you? Thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Good, good to be with you. Last night, obviously, a very disappointing result after a great start to the season. What do you think went wrong for the Revs? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, a lot of things went wrong, and uh, you know, kind of all added up. And part of it, I think, was a little bit of complacency and... Uh, Maybe possibly that they were just playing a team that was used to doing well, you know, in spite of not uh, passing the ball well, and uh, they they just didn't pass the ball too well. So I think that was that that got them, you know, got them in a little bit of trouble there. So uh, other things I think you know, Shalry Joseph probably wasn't at full speed. You know, I don't think we really uh, noticed it because he, you know, he's not saying anything about it. But uh, I think that that hurts him a little bit too. And, uh, you know, Eddie Johnson had a great game, too. He's never scored a goal against the Revolution, I don't believe. And so he was, he was sort of due, you know. So. Well, when you see uh, Kansas City's lineup at the start of the match, you know, Nick Garcia out, Jimmy Conrad out, Jose right. Bruciaga Jr. out, you know, it seems like a perfect opportunity for a guy like you know, Taylor Trauma and the Revs offense to really take off and get a win here. And, and they, they did that, a lot of opportunities. But, you know, it's surprising to see the Revs, you know, lose this match despite all the players Kansas City were missing. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, isn't it? Uh, I mean, they had everything in their favor. You're playing at home and, uh, everything, uh, you know, I, you know, that, that trip from Kansas City is not easy. Uh, they come here with, uh, not a full, full squad and, uh, and they get behind. So, you know, I think Kansas City has to get some credit for, uh, for really hanging in there and, and playing pretty well. And I think they, what they tried to do, I think, is expose, uh, the gaps between the midfield and the Revolution defense and also, Try to play some balls over the top to those guys, and uh, that worked worked pretty well. So I think tactically, I think they did some things that were were effective. And the Revolution is going to have to, uh, um, I think, adjust to that in the future when they play other teams because they're going to see what Kansas City did there and, and study that. And Steve Nichols never really had much success against Kansas City squad with only two wins in his entire you know career coaching the Revolution. Uh, obviously, been a lot of change for Kansas City in that time. Is there any one factor that you know, it's kept constants that you could see in Kansas City that maybe made this difference? That's a good question. You know, in one of those games, I was at it in Kansas City, and Pat Newman scored three goals, and, uh, 
you know, that's the only way they won it. They came from behind, and I mean, otherwise you'd only have one win. And uh, they really have trouble with that team, and I, I really can't say why. Some of it's the timing, uh, but but why why they can't beat them at home? You know, since like 1999, it's uh, it's a really a good question, especially with so many guys out for Kansas City. So uh, yeah, I, I think Kansas City sort of plays just a. A tactical game, and uh, it's it's effective against the Revolution. They're, they're balanced. They're always very balanced. Um, and I think uh, some of that comes back from the Bob Gansler days when he was coaching. He's, he's got a, a pretty uh, solid team, you know, and I think Kurt and Hoffa might be taking them to another level here. What do you think of the performances of the Revs rookies so far, and uh, do you think they'll be ready to step up when these Revs are gone for uh, the Gold Cup? Yeah, I think so. I think Adam Chrisman looks pretty good. Uh, you know, he's really good, and uh, I think Wells Thompson looks very good, too. And uh, the, the other guys that they have that we haven't really seen yet are actually very good players. I mean, this is the best group, you know, of extensive group of young young players, you know, five, six guys that could really get in there and play. They're very good players. And, uh, you know, so I, I think they, that they can do it. But the problem is, you know, especially in a 3-5-2, uh, you know, can they can they get the balance and defend at the same time? You know, <laughs> and and that's not all they're doing. But uh, you know, it's a whole team effort. And you know, when the team's a little bit weakened, you know, if you, I think Wells Thompson's looked really good and and uh, Christman as well. But the team's pretty much at full strength when those guys are in. Now they're going to have to carry the team uh, a little bit, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And earlier this morning in the Res Reserves game, uh, Arsenoka is a player who scored two goals for the team. Uh, earlier in the season, I believe, against Chicago, he actually got some time off the bench. Is he a guy that you could see you know, coming in and taking some of the minutes uh, off the bench where, uh, when Crispin was back into the starting spot? Yeah, really, that's an interesting question. I I'd like to see him out there over a little bit of time because uh, in the preseason, he looked pretty good. And uh, he's, you know, he's obviously got the potential to do it. He's not a big guy, so... Uh, you know, maybe it gives you a little bit of a different uh, look in there because the, you know the rest of the Revolution strikers are big, pretty much strong guys. You know, who play play with uh, you know power, a form of power game. And Arson, you know, m maybe in combination with somebody else might work out. So uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see him. I, I don't I don't know how how much he, he is in their plans, but you know, the, um, Steve Nichol likes him. I mean, he's had him there for two years now. So we'll see. What, well, he's going on two years now. So we'll see what happens. And talking about the reserve squad. Last year uh, and going into this season, if you asked uh, Paul Mariner and Steve Nichol who was the guy that they thought could be ready to step up from the reserves and make that jump, uh, Willie Sims is one of the first names that come out of their mouths. Uh, this year, Willie Sims uh, hasn't even been starting every game for the reserves. Uh, is that because of the rookie class that the Reds brought in is so strong, or is he not developed uh, in the manner which the Reds had hoped coming into the season? Yeah, I don't know what happened with Willie. It just hasn't happened for him. You know, he never scored a goal for the first team, and, uh, you know, he had he had a few chances. And, uh, you know, even in the preseason games, two two years of preseasons, he didn't really get, uh, you know, the goals. Where, like, uh, Adam Chrisman, I think he played four preseason games and he scored five goals. You know, that that's, uh, you know, it's just so sometimes it happens for a guy and sometimes it just doesn't. And, uh you know, I don't, I don't, Christman hasn't, hasn't, uh, kept that pace up now, but you can see where, you know, he can, he can do it. So Willie, I don't know, it's a good question. He's, he's gonna hit a transition point here pretty soon where, where, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, it just hasn't happened for him. He might be a straight player. Who knows? You know, we have to get in there and play some games and maybe he scores a bunch of goals. But, uh, you know, he's, he's behind so many guys that that might not ever happen either. Well, we gotta let you go here, but before you do, uh, where can people see your writing? 
Okay, good. Oh, wait, I didn't hear you, Sean. What was that? Where can people uh, find your writing? I know you write for the oh, Globe. Yeah, but... yeah I'm uh, in the Globe, you know, so I, I write a, a column for every uh, Tuesday paper and then uh, daily for the Revs and then I'm the ESPN Soccer Net as well. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today and keep up the yes, great Sean. work. Yeah, good good to talk to you. Okay. Again, that was uh, Frank DeLapa of the Boston Globe and uh, ESPN Soccer Net. We've got to wrap things up here, but uh, as I did mention, I did want to finish off looking at the uh, U.S. national team roster. Uh, going over the midfield, a lot of young players, Michael Bradley, Demarcus Beasley, Clint Dempsey called up again, Ricardo Clark, uh, Justin Mapp, uh, Benny Feliber from uh, Hamburger SV in Germany. Uh, a lot of youth there, but there's also the leadership of Pablo Mastroeni and Steve Ralston stepping up there. Uh, all those players, except maybe Ralston, should be around for the next World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, much like with Hey Duke, it looks like, uh, Bradley wants one, uh, you know, senior member from the MLS to lead the, uh, lead the way. So it seems like Ralston, I mean, especially with the little lack of depth at right wing, it seems like he might even have a chance to get some minutes in there, if not just provide some veteran leadership. And with the forwards, Brian McBride obviously out of the picture because of retirement and age as well. Uh, we got Brian Ching, Landon Donovan, Eddie Johnson, Taylor Twaman. Taylor Twaman, a striker on very good form for the Reds, as we've been talking about. Eddie Johnson, uh, certainly showed his form last night. If he keeps that up, uh, should be a great addition there. Brian Ching hasn't had the best of seasons so far. Uh, Landon Donovan has had some great games and some other games where he hasn't shown as much, such as against the Rebs. Uh, who do you think is going to step up from this forward squad and you know make a difference for the U.S.? I mean, it all depends where they end up playing Landon. If they play him as a midfielder, then it changes the whole complexion. If it ends up being him and maybe someone like a Twelman or him and a, someone like a Johnson, it's, it's a good combination. You get a little bit of power, a little bit of trickery, or you get a little bit of pace with uh, Donovan's uh, passing ability. So it's gonna, it should be a decent strike force for them, actually. Uh, we got to wrap things up now, but as I mentioned, the next game on the Revolution schedule is against uh, Real Salt Lake at home. Uh, same turf again, the, the real turf. It uh, should be interesting to see how the Revs respond. Salt Lake, obviously a winless team right now. Uh, the Revs coming off the first win and the first loss in seven games. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, what kind of team they are and how they respond to this. Uh, so it, sh it should be an interesting match. Yeah, definitely, and I think uh, if they can get a couple points out of this, maybe a point, I mean, you won't really complain with all the people gone, but you really want to get three out of that. Uh, and the other two matches, they actually have a break off a week after that, and then I believe it's Columbus on the schedule for the Revolution. Uh, that match would be another interesting one. Uh, they were disappointed to come away with a 2-2 draw earlier in the season. Uh, Temper Slayer in that match with Andy Hirone in the elbow, uh, that should be another great home match. Uh, for the fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always fun. I mean, even last night, the fans were really into it. So, I mean, if you get another little bit of a scuffle, I think you'll see the, the fans really start getting into the games, which will be good for the fans. Uh, once again, the Revs' next match, as we mentioned, 7.30 p.m. right here at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Uh, should be an excellent match also on TV 38. Uh, before I wrap things up here, I'd like to, once again, thanks uh, Michael Jones for giving us the opportunity to get back on the air here in Soccer New England. Uh, I would also like to thank Jeff Gamash for helping us out here at WNRI 1380 AM. I'd like to thank Dave Ackman again for joining us in studio and remind everyone that archives of the show can be heard at revolutionrecap.com as well as in the iTunes podcast directory. Uh, we'll be back next week at 7 to 8 p.m. reading the latest action of the New England Revolution uh, following the Real Salt Lake game. So join us again next week right here on AM 1380 WNRI. Thank you.